Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And The title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle. The pill is beneficial. What type of pill is more beneficial? Does it does it impact your sex drive? We talk about perimenopause and menopause, and we talk about thyroid, and there's many other topics that we talk about. So it's fairly in depth. It's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through, and it's fairly in depth. A lot of research, a lot of effort's been put into it. So I'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there it will be available on amazon from the 3rd of december as well which i'm super super excited for so i hope you guys enjoy the episode hope you guys enjoy the book any questions on the book let me know but i'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so today is coach's corner volume 25 and this episode is going to be a little bit different we are unfortunately without senior dallas for today's episode but we have jane who is probably better than dallas but we won't tell dallas <laughs> we will, shh, don't tell dallas um but like today's going to be this is one of the episodes that jane has wanted to speak about for probably about six seven weeks now yeah um and i think it's something close to our heart so today's episode is on labels and can they be disempowering or can they be kind of like helpful towards people and like because we're so good at kind of labeling each other and labeling ourselves all the time and it kind of sometimes can kind of help us to come kind of compartmentalize situations and certain behaviors and triggers that we do and hopefully we're actually communicating something that we believe about ourselves onto other people and that's probably why people are triggering us and then if we're limiting beliefs onto them and, we're, and they're projecting something that we do ourselves well then ultimately we're in a roundabout way we're actually projecting a label onto ourselves and that can be disempowering but i think the first thing that we need to do is as this is jane's baby is introduce jane how are we i am really good how are you i am very good uh warning guys we are a little bit cranky <laughs> We are quite cranky today. I think uh, the two of us are very tired. Yes. I'm very tired. I'm a little bit, a little bit sleepy. So two of us, we joined at 11 o'clock. This yeah. is 12 o'clock. It's so taken a while to get revved up. We are literally life coaches, coaches to each other for the last yeah. hour. So if uh, we're kind of lucky that it's not here. <laughs> the three amigos could have um, lost, lost the plot completely. But Jane, I'm going to let you talk about like what is a label um, and kind of start with the basics there. Yeah. So it's like, I think a really good place to start is to kind of say that everyone labels and has labels and has a label. Like, so it's something to understand that we all do as humans. It's something that we're very drawn to doing. We use them to describe, make up our identities, and they kind of impact how we interact with the world and how the world kind of interacts with us as well, I suppose, 
to some degree. And they can be positive and they can be negative. And that is the thing to kind of explore when it comes to labels and understanding why we label ourselves. Like our brain as human beings, like we've talked about numerous times, I think in different episodes, how as humans, we tend to err on the negative. Um, it's where we go. And our brain really likes shortcuts as well. Like it really likes to find a quick, easy solution. And this is something that has built up in us. It's from way, way back. We, you know, needed to err on the negative, needed our brain needed to make quick decisions to decide on risk, to decide like friend or foe, like danger. So we've these this ingrained urge to always err on the negative and to find a shortcut. But what we know about like rapid and reactive thinking is it's really, really prone to error. And that can be the issue with labeling. It can be something that we decide very quickly. We come up with a label for ourselves, be it internal or for other people. And labels can be incredibly disempowering because we are more than an adjective. (laughs) We are complex. We are layered. And unfortunately, labels kind of take away that. They they take away how complex we are and how layered we are and make things really simple. And that can be really disempowering because it takes away your ability to be many, many things. And that can impact how you interact with society and how you view other people in society too. And even more importantly, your internal dialogue, it can really impact how you speak to yourself, how you speak about yourself, how you think about yourself, which as we know in so many parameters of like life and well-being can be incredibly impactful. That internal dialogue, it's a voice we hear all the time. And if you are laboring, labeling yourself just one single adjective, for example, like relationship, you're in a relationship, your relationship fails, you break up with someone. Instead of going, my relationship failed, you would turn around inside and say, I'm a failure. Yeah. And that's a label you're giving yourself. You're bringing yourself down to just one adjective, failure. But you're not a failure. Your relationship broke up for like a million different reasons, numerous different reasons, different like facts throughout it. But you just take all that away and put it as a label of simplifying a shortcut down to, I failed. I'm a failure. And that's incredibly disempowering. And I think yeah. that's, yeah, go ahead. No, it's kind of like what you've said there. I think the failure one is probably the most prevalent one that kind of people use on a, on a regular basis. If you didn't get a job or if you didn't finish college or if you didn't, if a relationship didn't go to well, well, they it kind of removes you put yourself you label yourself as a failure but that's actually giving you your you an absolute towards yourself when in fact it's the opposite which is an actual opinion and we need to kind of navigate away from the opinion and kind of bring it towards a more factual thing because the labels that you're attached to yourself like if you think about it when you're in school and you kind of like we we label people in school. We put them into certain groups, like there's the nerds or there's the goths, there's the skaters, there's the whatever, maybe. But how often have you actually looked at that and said, right, am I any of those right now? But yeah, we labeled ourselves then back then, but they're not sticking. So what are the ones that are actually sticking to yourself now? And it's probably the ones like the failure or I'm maybe not enough or I'm fat. Well, fat's not a, fat's not a label. Fat's fat phobic fat's a shame fat's guilt fat's not a feeling <laughs> so it's like fat's not useful as a terminology it's a, once again it's an adjective that jane used 
to describe to describe something or describe a food group, but it's yeah. not a word that should be used to describe an individual. Yes, someone may be carrying more weight, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are fat. That is a word that has been described and been put into society by the media, and we've decided to latch onto it. But people, someone's going to listen to this right now and say, "Well, I am fat." Like, well, you're not fat. You're just carrying a little bit more weight because your actions have got you there. But that doesn't make you fat. You're latching onto the, the word that you are fat, so that it will limit your actions and the actions or the behaviors that you want to go in direction. You may want to try and get lose a little bit of pounds, or you may not want to. That's completely up to yourself. But by you saying you're you're fat is disempowering you and you're believing that over time and that's become your self-professing story. And if your story isn't disempowering you or isn't isn't empowering you, well then you're going to stop doing any actions to get to start to start the ignition and get to the direction you want you may want to go. So it's kind of creating this like it takes on like an all or nothing approach. Absolutely. And this irrational voice speaks up. Like the, like the monkey brain thing. The monkey brain. So people are kind of like, what are you talking about? The chain paradox. If you want to read a book, it's what li- listen to an <laughs> audiobook or go and read it. He talks about the irrational brain, which is your monkey voice, which is the bit that makes you kind of like think or do stuff before you think. Like if you're the perfect example is crossing the road. Before you cross the road, you look left, right before you rock across. But the chimp brain or the irrational brain, we're like, no, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to run across without looking at any, across any traffic. That's a perfect example of it. But your irrational brain is the voice that tells you that you may not be good enough when there is no factual evidence. And it can lead and tick, 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 and lead to a tick and time bomb of low self-esteem. But we have to look at it from like when labels are impairing. So you have loads of examples of this. Well, if you think about on a societal um, standpoint, like obesity, that's a label. Like, you know, you label there's a, obesity. They're labeled as, you know, lazy. That's a label that has been put on obese people through the media, through different things like that. And if you are being told this time and time again, that that is what you are, that is what you are, it becomes part of your identity and you don't believe you can be anything else. And that is, these labels that are put out in society on a societal level lead people to feel like that's what they are. And it does harm self-esteem. It does harm self-worth. And that's just one example of many. There's actually a really interesting thing called labeling theory. I cannot remember the three psychologists that came up with it. It was from three different studies. I know that Dallas probably would have helped me with you did it. I'm able to cite the paper up. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but I do remember the theory. And what it came up with at the end result of it really simplified is that they realized that official efforts um, to control crime and punishment, crime and punishment, and labeling people in society as criminal and imprisoning them, punishing them, actually led those people to commit more crimes because they were constantly labeled criminals and that's all they were. And that was stigma stuck with them. But in countries and places where people were rehabilitated and moved on to do something different, and no longer had that label of you're a criminal, you're a robber, you're a thief, you're a whatever attached to them. Crime was lessened. And this is actually recently, I just saw this just come to my mind. Um, in Portugal, they are, they, when it comes to drugs and drug related crime, it's been reduced massively and it's because instead of prosecuting people, they are now rehabilitating and it has seen a massive trend in a reduction in their crime around drugs. 
And this is a that's a really recent example of where this labeling theory comes into play. So instead of telling people that you are a junkie or you're a criminal or, you know, this is what you are, that is your identity they're instead being given the opportunity to be rehabilitated and be something else. Instead of being labeled, they're being given an opportunity and a chance. So it kind of really illustrates how disempowering being labeled. Like if you, you know, grow up in a really tough area or in an area that's, you know, really, really on the poverty line and you're told you go to school and I've seen this has happened like numerous times. I've talked to many people it's happened to go to school. You've got a teacher who's a bit crap and like tells you that, you know, you're never going to amount to anything because you're from here. I actually remember being in school and having a teacher say that to our class because we were from Crumlin, like literally go like talk about her holiday in France and say, just all oh, you guys will never get to go anywhere like that. And well, like, it's funny thing you talk about, like, it, I don't think it matters the demographic. I know it tends to be a little bit more towards the, the, the kind of like, if you're from a, a, a less economically, um, high on the that side of things background that you may not be able to achieve certain things but even in that happens in kind of like more well-to-do schools as well and that happened to me um with being put as a label i was told i wasn't going to amount to anything i was told i was stupid by a teacher on several different occasions and it's like it's but it's up to us whether we want to believe them or let us fuel them fuel us and i think when you're when when you're young and you're hearing that you're easy you're like play-doh you're like you're, you're easier to mold yeah, but as yeah because we like if you look at kids like if you're told you're as fat as a kid by relatives or friends or whatever it may be you start to believe that you're like that becomes your identity but then you start to believe this but then you you don't like being told that you're fat you get triggered when you're called fat but then you say it to yourself so what changes? Why is someone else not allowed to say it? But why are you allowed to say it? That's when the power comes in. It's like, well, why is someone else not allowed to say it? But yet you're allowed to put yourself down constantly all the time. Why is that? And that's where the, the kind of like the identity comes through. Like what skills are being, have you gained from calling yourself fat? What, what lessons have you learned from calling yourself fat? And who actually said this to you? And do you value their opinion more than yourself? And some people were like, if they have low self-esteem, they may come from a background of like, well, I do value their opinion more because I want to be liked by everyone. Well, think about a Sky News ticker bar right now. You're not going to be liked by everyone. And nor should you accept that you have to be liked by everyone. Not everyone's going to like you. I'm sure someone listens to this podcast doesn't like me. And I'm like, cool. I couldn't give a shit. I think when you've got your like obviously like you're internally you can hurt yourself a lot more than like internal labels can hurt you a lot more than external because obviously like what you think of how you think about yourself kind of is at the core of how other things can impact you if you've got very strong self-esteem and self-worth or in a good place you can deflect a lot of the external labels and look beyond them and look beyond the adjective and know you're more layered and nuanced and complex but if you are already in that place um, where you're stuck in like dichotomous thinking, black and white, all or nothing, you know, your self-esteem is a little bit shot, which can be very aligned with like being, having those perfectionistic tendencies and you're going to be really, really hard on yourself. And, you know, you will argue with 
the opinion of others. Like someone else calls you fat, you'll argue with them. How dare you? Because you know it's wrong for them to do that. But you'll argue it, but you'll still believe it yourself. You arguing the point is ego. It's like you're, you don't want someone else to think that of you because you're seeking external validation all the time because inside you're not feeling good. Your self-worth is so depleted and so low that this external opinion, you will fight it, but internally you're sitting there going, I am not enough, you know? And that's your, that's why you will call yourself those names. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's very easy to accept what I was kind of say is because like, if they're saying it, then it must be true. So then that's easier for me to accept that story, but there's the key word. Story. Story. As Dallas always says, cool story, bro. (laughs) Like what facts have you got to support this information is something I would always say. It's kind of like when there's something like that in my head, it's like, what facts have I got to support? And then it's, yeah. And then someone could come back. Well, the, the, the weighing scales, the doctor says I'm obese on the way on the, on the BMI. And I'm kind of like, well, the rock is obese on the BMI. Most rugby players are probably obese in the BMI. So they, that doesn't mean that they're less of a human. It's wrapped up in your identity of how you're perceived. Of like, well, am I perceived that I'll be happy when I'm skinny or is it that I have to be happy when I'm skinny or whatever it may be? And from experience, I'm probably my most miserable when I was at my leanest. And I think Jane would probably... I think her. <laughs> I only had this conversation this week with someone who was like, that. yeah, I was like, you think you're going to be your happiest? But I was like, nobody... Nobody I know who's like shredded down or leaned down was at their happiest when they were lean. And the process after of how you feel of kind of going, oh God, do I want to try and sustain this? It's not a fun time. No, it's not. I was like, because you're irritable. You're like, you're fucking useless to, to most things. And sex drive goes to shit. So where's the fun in that? There's no crack. No cra- literally. <laughs> no crack. <laughs> it's rubbish. Um, I do think though that like that, the, the stories in people's heads are are the issue it's like if we're labeling ourselves and creating those stories within our head they're very very hard to break if you don't challenge them you know and it's hard as like you point out like talking about doctors and bmi we're talking about schools and teachers we're talking about people that are in authority and you know when you look to people who are in authority you, it's ingrained in you to trust them. It's yeah. like, oh, darling, you trust the church, the doctors and the teachers and all these people. The they church tell you thing is the do. big one there, yeah. especially what came out in France during yesterday the day before. Yeah I, yeah, I saw that. And that's like, you know, these are the people that you trust the most. And they're putting, if they're putting labels on you, it's like the church, like, sin, like calling people sinners if they did certain things like through the years. It's like, that's your, it became women's identity who were sent to the Magdalene laundries and stuff. You know, it's kind of like, oh yeah, they're sinners. They're this that, and the other. And they go there. That was their identity for the rest of their life, like fallen women, you know? And then it moves forward into these, like these days we've got Instagram and social media and people pretending to be figures of authority and knowledgeable and you know the best at what they do and all of this and some are some aren't and people are watching these authoritarians or like people in authority or experts in their fields and trusting what they're seeing and feeling what they're seeing is right so if their opinions label a type of person like you know having a certain opinion people are going to adopt it because these are people in authority saying that this is the truth and this is fact and you're automatically inclined to kind of buy into it 
Yeah, and there's also elements of kind of like sometimes like a cognitive bias can kind of come in as well. Like if someone called, called you a purple monkey dishwasher, you're not going to react. But if someone says something about your appearance or if someone says something in an email or something like that and you take, ex- take exception to it or a certain word is said and you put all the power into that one word, when it's probably it could even be a two-letter word or a three-letter word like you or we or I or something like that. And you could read that completely wrong, construe it and say, well, why am I getting triggered by it? Yeah. But it's it's too late. You've already got triggered by it rather than trying to deal with the actual saying, well, why am I getting triggered by this? What is this teaching me about the way that stories and uh, the people have perceived me or that labels were put onto me as a kid and I didn't like them, but you're still doing the same thing to yourself over and over again. So why is it any different? Like something has to change. Like the stories aren't going to go away at all. But a story is a chapter. It doesn't have to be the whole book. You still can rewrite the whole book. Like if you're someone in your your teens and or if you're someone in your 50s, it's still not our 60s. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can still change the narrative. It's just up to you whether you want to believe your own shit, which we all have, or you want to change the narrative saying, right, and get a little bit uncomfortable because... Once you let go of the actual pain behind that story, the ego lets go and true change can truly, truly happen. And when that happens, it's genuinely the, the, the biggest thing that I love about being a coach. When like we, we everyone wants like a transformation pick, like we were talking about this off air and yeah. stuff like that. People are like, oh, I want to look like I want to get a transformation pick. But I'm kind of like, well, it takes it takes a certain some someone and a certain headspace at a certain time to get a transformation pick. But I would rather someone leave with the experience of working with us of they've transformed an element or a lot of elements in their life and saying, Well, I've got a better relationship with food. No transformation pick can, can sum that up. No. Like an episode on a podcast can't really sum it up. Like I'm like Alyssa is the perfect example. Alyssa yeah. was the most recent client that came on and I know you had spoken to me about kind of Alyssa's backstory and story and stuff. And she, there was labels attached to her by her and quite a, could have been quite an anxious person and kind of control was a big massive factor, but they were all labels. But once those were kind of like taken back a notch, it was kind of like, well, then that true change could happen. Yeah. And now we've, we've a bet on with Alyssa that she can do her first pull up <laughs> and she, I buy her a pint. All over it. <laughs> all over it. Smashing it. But I think it's a, like, Labels and food are also the big thing. Yes. Um, good v bad, diet v slimming or high protein or whatever the bullshit marketing is out there. But like in your experience, ah, no payloads. no, no. Uh, how how do you deal with when when clients come to you and say, "Well, I've been good today." or I've had a good day with food or I deserve this or I've punished myself with food because I've had a good or very bad food. Like it's such a complicated question. There's only different angles to come at it, but like something to kind of like a very, very basic statement or something like that that you could kind of allude to. Challenge a narrative. Challenge what you're defining as good versus bad. Because as you say, it's going to be very individual dependent. It's like someone's idea of what a good day is could be they nourish well, ate lots of protein and vegetables. Someone else's day as a good day could be they restricted massively and underate their calories. 
you know, and that was a good day for them. But they're not looking at whether they were hungry, whether they were nourished, the quality of the food they ate, anything like that. Someone else, a good day, they didn't binge, they didn't overeat. You know, there's so many directions that can go in. When I would always with a client kind of challenge what they are defining as good versus bad, you know, dependent on their goals, because food isn't something you can label good, bad. Food is food. And we try to really break it down and simplify it to food and what your choices, like the choices that you make day to day. Like I use a phrase a lot of kind of like you're choosing to nourish, you're choosing to punish. And that's kind of the really, really defining factor of whether something's good or bad. And like you can nourish health, you can nourish pleasure, you know? So when you look at it kind of that way with food, it's like what the choices you can sit there and eat like your favorite biscuits and it's nourishing it's nourishing some element of your life in a positive way if you eat it to satisfaction and enjoyment and savor it and embrace it and step away and kind of go yeah I had a biscuit it was great but punishment is when you have the biscuit or you eat it mindlessly or you eat more than you planned more than to to being over full and then the subsequent actions thoughts and mood afterwards and how you feel is what will define if that was a negative experience, if you nourished or punished. So it's like breaking down people's narrative of like what good versus bad is. There is no good or bad. You know, you can't look at food as an I was good or I was bad or like even just everyone going, I was on track or off track. You know, that's not what it's about. And that's something that I think is hard for people to align with immediately. Like you saw the recent review from one of my clients and literally saying that like, was kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work like at the start working with like the way my approach would be initially. And then things came to life and it all aligned and she achieved her body composition goals, but also has like a healthier relationship with food and is fitter, stronger and feeling more free than she has before. And that was because she stuck with it and challenged those thoughts the black and white thinking of good or bad. And she was someone that very much had an, that notion of I'm on plan or off plan. And when you would do that, you disempower yourself because you're labeling on or off plan. You've only got two options there. There's no middle ground. So when you go off and you tell yourself you're off plan, you hit the feck button and kind of go, well, there we go. I've messed it up again. I'm a, I'm a failure. You know? And there's that word failure again. I'm going to, I'm going to read out the testimonial that we got. <laughs> it's right here <laughs> all right so this is where jane gets awkward <laughs> that's the main reason i'm doing it <laughs> so what so jane put up a post on like the whatever date is six to the tenth right yeah. so this is what one of the clients says i now look at food at fitness so differently i want to feel good to feel strong and the scales don't even play a part anymore the ironic thing is that by removing the pressure of the scales and starting to enjoy events, enjoy training and not continuously trying to eat perfectly, I have reached a place where I feel great and the scales has end up where I wanted it to be. I see it feel so free, no more looking at menus to see that the healthiest option is just simply enjoying food and feeling the best I have in a very long time. I started with SWF because I, lo- I was looking for um, accountability. Jane was the, co- the, the assigned coach and that's where it began. Before SWF, I would say I had a great knowledge of health and fitness. I knew what to do, but putting into practice was the issue. I always try and try to eat healthy and saying that there would always been a binge restriction and protein intake of fiber did not come into it. When COVID hit, I didn't train as much. Unlike so many more, I, kept on, I, le- I leaned on food. It was entire territory and kept beating myself up for overindulging, which led to further binge restrict more, but more binge. This continued for 12 months. 
Um, I listen to all the podcasts and decide I need help, and that's why I reached out. I can't even describe Jane's approach, and to be honest, all I started, um, and I at the start, I doubted it would work. Sure, I knew it already. I knew everything. Jane's approach is from a place of compassion and all honesty, in my opinion. She would make a great therapist. <laughs> it, Jane loves that one. It was a slow process, but I consistently made progress. Some weeks scales did not move. Some ways, some weeks they were up, and I once came to check in Jane's feedback, but everything put into perspective. Shereen made me stop to think and assess so differently, um, things differently. And when I look back at the stats now, I can see the continuous trend of improvement. I now look at food and fitness so differently. I want to feel good and feel strong. Uh, I would couldn't recommend Jane enough. She has changed my very unhealthy relationship with food for me. She's changed my thought process on food completely. I now feel so free, no more looking at menus to see what the healthiest option. I just want to, uh, this is the best I've ever felt in a very, very, very long time. So, but that client was doubting mm. the process at the very, very beginning, which I don't think an awful lot of people when they start working with anything or doing anything, like if you think about it, you start a new job, you doubt if it's the right job for you. If you go into a relationship, the doubt, the voice speaks in. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, are you going to give this one your all like you haven't done for other relationships? Or are you going to bring your emotional shit with you and let that this relationship get ruined again and let that fear overtake? Or are you going to, an acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Are you going to let that ruin your life? Or are you going to take power and ownership of it? It can be difficult, but the big things that that client spoke about was the difficulty at the start of kind of letting go of old attachment stories, the difficulty of kind of like letting go of kind of the food rules about like, well, if I go out for one meal, I've definitely fucked up the whole week, which is a story. You haven't fucked up the whole week because one meal only counts for 4.96% of your total meals in a week. So last time I checked, if I got 4.96% or 95% on the test, I'd be pretty happy with that. So it drops the perfectionist mentality. The perfection thing doesn't really exist. If your client, if you someone, if one of your friends had that mentality, we would be willingly given the advice to them so so easily. But when it comes to ourselves, we struggle so so much as individuals to take our own advice. Why? Because we're attached to the pain of all that that negative language towards food, like sins and but good v bad food like how can a food be bad it's not going to come in and kidnap your family it has no moral compass so how can a food be bad we're labeling things to simplify like our brain finds it easier to simplify down to those terms of like good or bad we are some they're not good for us to use they're not like a healthy thought process because things a more flexible mind leads to like it's like leads to better success leads to more sustainable like progress when you make progress if you're more flexible flexibly minded and how you view your expectations and how you kind of let go of control there's so much of an element of control that you have to let go of and that's scary change is scary challenging your thoughts challenging what you have known to be true or thought to be true you know challenging labels you put on yourself challenging labels you put on food challenging labels you put on society you know, we we all have biases. We all label and label ourselves and label others. We all jump to conclusions about people that we meet quite quickly. The difference is, is challenging the thoughts and understanding that it is normal to do these things. We will label on occasion ourselves and others, but be willing to challenge them. Be willing to get curious, I think is probably the best thing I can say is to understand that 
as a human, we will err on the negative. We will look for shortcuts. We will, you know, label and that's okay. It's challenge it though. Get curious, you know, be willing to explore, get that little bit uncomfortable because sometimes getting that little bit uncomfortable with thoughts and challenging them, understanding that sometimes we hold on to things that are really, really bad for us. You know, we call ourselves things that are really, really negative and really disempower us. And understanding that and being willing to challenge them like there's so many unhealthy behaviors that we can grow really attached to and we know they're not good for us we know they're not serving us well but for some reason we know that we fear changing them or letting go of them because of what we'll have to do to get rid of them you know that's also the unknowing part at the other end of like will this truly work and will this truly change but like if nothing changes nothing changes so like i'd rather try and do something and and fail rather than actually not try to do anything like that's that but that's that that's the outlook that i have now and that hasn't always been there because especially if someone's looking to move job it's like but I've been in this job for eight years or I've been in a certain career for eight years. And if I move now, it's kind of like, is it too late in my life because I'm too old or am I letting other people down or am I a failure because I haven't made it or the hours are too much for me? Is it because, but would you rather, are you going to look back on your deathbed, right? Like in whatever X amount of years and say, well, I worked my ass into the ground for who to be a PPS number on someone's on someone's payroll or i'm living the life that i want you probably don't need as much money as you probably think um to actually live the life probably the i think the stats of like the difference between someone earning seventy thousand euro and a thousand a hundred thousand euro is i think that it creates problems by like 60 or 70 percent the amount of hassle probably more tax um and other problems that it comes with you so you think that you'll get to this right nice round number of six figures or whatever it may be and that's going to solve all your problems it's like expecting weight loss to solve all your problems if the body outside looks like a temple and the, the head is in rubble it's not going to solve jack shit um and you met- sorry and that, that's the thing i to say it's like when you're in that that zone it's you can get it's like changing that narrative of change of somebody who is stuck in that cycle of binging and restricting not necessarily has binge eating disorder or anything like that separate from that because like that is another label people can say i am a binger and you're not you just like occasionally overeat to discomfort because of stuff that's happening in your life or emotions or under eating but you're stuck in the cycle and i've seen this happen with a lot of a lot of people through the years of restricting 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 trying to be good and then overeating overindulging at the weekend or you know, limiting a certain food for so long because it's bad and then they overindulge in that. But they are managing, say, to keep their body at a certain level. You know, they want to lose weight. They want to lose body fat. They want a certain look. They're caught in this cycle of gain, loss, gain, loss. Could be relatively lean. Then they get to a point of, as you say, if nothing changes, nothing changes. They're stuck in that same cycle. They can't make the change they really want. And you have to challenge the narrative of going, well, what are we going to change to do it differently? Someone like us comes along and says, 
where you're gonna have to get a little bit uncomfortable like yeah you can you can lose body fat you can go on a calorie deficit you can lose body fat you could take the time to build lean muscle mass go to the gym but we're going to need to do that at maintenance or in like a slight surplus and this is the work you'd have to do manage stress sleep all this stuff you know you don't want to necessarily hear that and then if someone says to you which i have done with quite a few people is okay if you want to make the long-term change gonna have to stop restricting for a little while i'm gonna have to try and even things out a little bit and work on repairing your relationship with food and with your body a little bit and work on that for a while and then they're kind of like but how do i how like what's going on their head which i, I always know is like how do i measure that progress yeah how do i control the progress so i'm not going to yeah on a scale measure yeah, the scales one's the big one change. because they have said for a very long time that if the scales goes up i'm a failure if the scales goes down i'm a great person yeah but that's once again that's labels and that's projecting a certain story that you've probably learned from your childhood or learned from the people you're surrounding yourself with or certain slimming clubs or whatever it may be but those thoughts haven't served you so why are we still going back to the same tool and if you work on the stuff behind it it will get you where you want to go and or get you where you didn't even realize you could go or could be mentally, physically, whatever, like to a much happier, healthier place in a shorter period of time than the years and years and years of beating yourself, of restriction, of not feeling enough ever have. You know, it's literally making a decision to let go. And that's what's really scary for people. I know myself from like how when I'd gotten like really, really lean, you know, those periods after that where I was like probably not like engaging in the most healthy behaviors all the time and you didn't want to let go of it because like I had to challenge myself and challenge my own narratives kind of going oh no are, are you sure you need to do that you know are you sure like you want to cut calories again because you've gone out on a night out are you sure you should be doing that is that what's going to be best for you long term and you would make bargains even with my knowledge and awareness, I would be kind of like, if I kind of just, you know, just want to just hold on to this aesthetic for a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. I've got these few events or this coming up or whatever, and I'll just stay here for a little bit longer. I'll get back to all that, like work on myself afterwards. I know what I'm doing. Sure. I know I know about this stuff. And that's what happens with people. Like they, they convince themselves because they're so attached to what that aesthetic is representing them for them or what that goes representing for them at that time. And sometimes it can be distraction. It can be not wanting to face up to what's going on emotionally, being afraid to do the work on themselves and kind of go, it's a lot easier to look and put a certain aesthetic up there or a goal, you know, that's going to fix everything. It's a lot easier to just have that focal point than actually look inward and go, but why do I why do I need that to make me feel good about who I am? Why because do I need- other people are gonna so say the perfect example of like you're from a cross back crossfit background. Yeah. And it's quite a competitive thing. The numbers are up on the board or whatever. Maybe you can see what people are lifting or whatever. And I know from working with clients who come from the CrossFit background, and sometimes we don't actually look after clients' trainings. It's more side of the mind, mindset side of things. Um, and there's one client in particular that I'm, I'm kind of thinking of, and if she's listening to this, I sincerely use, sincerely apologize for using it as an example. But when she's in the gym, um, it's kind of like, well, it's 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 getting to the gym is is a massive thing because it's it, she's a parent and that it's a sacred time. It's like her temple, if you know what I mean. And 
but when he, they go to the the gym and they're kind of like looking at other people's numbers a trigger goes off it's like well i'm not i'm not lifting this i'm not lifting this so i'm a failure and then they beat themselves up which will actually have a negative impact and well that's the body's going to cease up and go into stress mode so you won't be able to actually lift the, the weight over your head or whatever it may be and you think that the only way for you to get validation or acceptance from other people is because you're certain because you are lifting a certain number when in fact in reality is crossfit is that's not how crossfit works crossfit is it doesn't give a shit what shape size color gender race whatever it is it doesn't matter as long as you're doing something for you that's the way it works yeah. so you're bringing your own label and biases into a background and an environment that is created to help you and, and serve you but you're bringing your own shit into that gym you're bringing your own shit into that actual backend. Just because you can't get a push press over a certain number doesn't mean it's a failure. You could increase it from, increase your reps. People forget that reps are also a method of progress. It does, or tempo is an increase in, in tempo and whatever it may be. Moving better, like. Shoulder mobility, better. going to the gym in general, from being injured for three weeks and not being able to turn my neck to the right for three weeks. It, it it anything is better like it it if you can even like if you for a perfect example is the parent side of things if you're able to get book in 30 40 minutes for yourself each like two three times a week even if you're only getting it once a week or whatever it may be it's something for you it's helping you to reach your potential the perfect example is amanda from recalibrated bodies oh she's amazing Amanda does the they've been on Amanda and Daniel have been on and they've kids they have had the stress of they've an amazing business they have brought in new coaches they have the stress of the house they've had the stress of lockdown being in a different country and loads of different things but Amanda does a thing on a Sunday which is plans her week she has that communication open with Daniel that allows her to say right i'm going to do this for me or makes her like doesn't have to say project or whatever it is that her goal now is trying to put on more muscle so she can go and compete again because that's an important thing to her but when people are kind of get bite back and say well why are you doing this why are you this you're pushing your insecurity onto that other person's goal it's not your job to stamp that goal out of someone's life you're bringing your own shit and pushing it down that because you may not be able to get there you may be able maybe you're capable of getting there if you want to, but it's whether you want if it's whether you fear it enough or or can get over the fear enough to be able to go to where you want. Be sure your goal is your goal. That's a big thing. It's like be really, really sure your goal is your goal. It's like in the gym, it's like so often I should be able to lift that. I don't know many times, and I've been that person way back in the day, starting feeling like I should be able to do more than I could. But you hear people saying I should be able to lift that or I should be able to do why why i always go why what makes you think you should be able to do that that's you but that person's we've been doing class the same time like do you know their training background do you know what they they've done sport when they're a kid do you do you know anything about like what has led them to their point here like i've seen it happen so frequently i've seen it recently i was thinking about it with someone like in the gym who i could tell they're so hard on themselves and they're brilliant like they're like doing really good, like just for like a general person training in the gym, where you can see how hard, like everything anyone else does that might be heavier or a little bit better, they're wanting to be able to do, they need to be able to do. 
And they're not looking at the broad spectrum as like they can probably do more things than any of those persons as an individual, you know, but they have other qualities. And if you look at that, if you look at the positives when you're in the gym, like using myself for an example, from like coming from like stuff I used to be able to do versus now, like I literally am classing absolutely everything as a PB these days, whatever I put on, I've completely thrown away anything that I used to be able to do and kind of gone everything post lockdown, post surgery, post everything. I'm like, everything's a PB. The perfect, the perfect example. Like we went out for dinner with Callum yes. two or three weeks ago, yeah. and you were talking about your partner and him taking up CrossFit, and he took naturally to it. He was flying weights up left, right, and center, and you could see that Jay was like, "It took me ages to do this," but yeah. he could be genetics. He could be because uh, potentially because he is genetics could be uh, not as stressed. He may be able to lift more Younger. anyway. <laughs> well, I didn't want to bring the age. I know. Into I could see. I was like, he's treading around. I'm, I'm treading around shit here. <laughs> I'm treading the shit here. Uh, I, I'm in quicksand. <laughs> I'm reaching that age now, you know, like, like I'm a midlife crisis, younger man, all that. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I think, like, I think it's like if you're looking at someone in the gym and saying, like, well, their body goals or whatever, you also have to realize that your body goals are something. Like, you don't know who's watching you. If you're watching someone, you can no doubt that someone's watching you. Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's the thing. Like, it's everyone, but you can focus on a body that is so different from your body. And like, different is good, though. Uh, and, but that's it. But it can be something that's not achievable for your body, not because it's you can't be fitter, healthier, leaner, stronger, all these things. We could be looking at someone who's a completely different shape to you, size to you, build to you, you know, so many variables. You can like admire people for more than their shell. You know, it's like that thing I was saying recently, like trying to give, you know, non-physical compliments to friends and stuff. It's like, we all like to be told like, oh, you look great. Like get your hair done. You want to be told like, oh, your hair is fab, you know? I never got nice that. To hear. <laughs> yeah, didn't think of that. But it's lovely to hear that stuff. It's really, really, really nice. But when you realize that every compliment and it's something I watched for a while when I met people and where I'm at every single compliment was around how you look, you know, and I, I'm lucky with some of with the people that I'm around, my friends would know me well and stuff like that. And we'd all kind of think of this stuff quite frequently of like trying to recognize that positive changes that aren't fat loss related. Like I don't know how many times as a girl, I've been out and the thing that people applauded most were, oh my God, have you lost weight? Like you look great. And now in my life, knowing that at the times I was probably at my smallest, I was at my most damaged, but you get applauded for it. You know, you get yeah. so applauded for it. And these days it was great. I recently had a friend just kind of just go, God, you look, you, you look so healthy. You look glowing, you look happy. And you get these, and I get those compliments. I value them so much more. And being in a headspace where it's not like, you just think that because I've put on weight, you know, which is where my head would have been previously. It'd be like, oh, or you're just saying that to make conversation, like, yeah, like exactly. how, or like, I think I was talking to someone recently, they're like, well, how bad was I looking beforehand? Yeah. But that's, or like the, you look healthy. I now take as such a compliment where previously, if someone told me I look healthy, I would associate with someone telling me I looked fat. But it's also being able to deal with those comments and you don't necessarily have to deal with them, but you can also say two words of thank you. Mm. You don't like, you don't have, like, if you may not, feel them yourself or whatever maybe when people are starting making comments on you and potentially projecting labels onto you of like how you look and stuff you could just say thank you you don't you can walk away from the conversation 
I think what a lot of people are finding now is that because they're back in the office or say they're back in the staff room, a lot more people are saying, well, I feel uncomfortable in my, in my I've put on a good few bit of weight and weight seems to be the topic of discussion in most places right now. And if you don't want to take if you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff and listen to the labels that those people are putting on food or what they're doing or what super fucking retarded diet they're doing, um, like the sucking egg diet, um, I just made that up. Uh, I was like, Jesus, what's this one? There's just so much fear there. People, it's recognizing that if everyone in the room is talking about stuff like that, that means their heads are in a similar space of fear and concern about their bodies and that change. And it's if we kind of have a bit of shared humanity in the stuff that we're struggling with and the difficulties that we have, is that like recognizing that people do put their shit on you sometimes. And if you're challenging, like if you're someone who comes into work and you're meal prepping and other people aren't in a place of like like doing that, they're not bringing their lunches and stuff, they'd be like, oh, you'll hear people kind of go, oh, look at you. What are you doing on some kind of diet or something? And I've had clients say that to me before. It's kind of like I'm a bit embarrassed going into work, like I'm bringing in my own food. But, you know, people keep making comment on it and people, and you just don't want, people don't want to draw attention to themselves. Have got insecurities and you're working on them, you're trying to actively work on them. Those comments do make people feel a little like it does like make them feel a little insecure and like they're drawing attention. And it's easy for us to say, well, that's those people deflecting how they're feeling. It's challenging them. They're not doing that. So they're like, should I be doing that? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I? And like it's very hard to accept that at the time. But it is something to kind of remind yourself of, to really check in with yourself and focus on you. Focus on, well, why am I doing this? What is, why, why is, why am I doing this? What does their opinion really matter? And in the grand scheme of things of me in two, three months, will that, their opinion really matter? You're probably seeing them probably like probably an hour a day, five days a week. You may be seeing them a little bit more than you actually made to your family. So like that you're around them a lot more. But that doesn't mean that their opinion has to wait anymore. Like, like if they're struggling themselves, like hurt people, hurt people. So they could be making comments on how Mary looks down the road, or they could be looking, they could be making comments on someone else around the office. But they're projecting their own insecurities and putting their own labels that they have on themselves onto other people, and mirroring mirroring that onto them, which isn't the right way to do it. But it's their coping mechanism of doing it, and it's not going to help them to get to where they want to go so they're dealing with their fear their stuff they're doing it in our way our sole way but it's their way of dealing with it so it's about asking yourself right now are there people in your life that you're surrounding yourself with that you have the same interests or goals aligned to what you want to do because the importance of an inner circle or a support group really really does help but it's also you don't want the topic of conversation always to be about weight and that's why slimming clubs are amazing for a purpose of community but if the common topic of conversation is well mary lost 11 pounds by licking celery sticks um or she took a shit or whatever but that's a big shit um she is. is she all right <laughs> she, from mary this week. She, she dropped she dropped her labels that's why she lost 11 pounds. there you go the big way to drop yeah, the big way to drop um but it's kind of one of those if you're if you're in a, if you're if you're the people you're talking about all the time or your people you're surrounding yourself with all the time are talking about, about their weight. And I, I, I do think, I think, I think girls, women can be a little bit more talking about weight a little bit more than lads. Lads do talk about like, oh, well, he's jacked. He should be on steroids. That's tends to be the conversation, but girls can be a little bit more 
compare comparing themselves with the people and can with each other. Yeah, and they kind of like think it's like a territory thing. Well, if she's doing well, I need to knock her down. I and that, be doing that. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like well. We don't know where she's coming from. You don't know what she's done to get there. Genetics. Is she sleeping? Is she stressed? Um, loads of different things. Is she eating wholesome nutritious food all the time? Like you don't is know what. Life positive in general. Like, you know, you're comparing one little aspect of someone instead of going like, look at my life. Good. Like we talked about earlier, good job. If you've got a job, you know, healthy relationship. Are you, how's your health? How's your fitness? How's your like mindset? Like how are all these things happening in your life? How's progress in all these different areas as opposed to just your weight? <laughs> your weight's the least interesting thing about you. It is. It really, really is. It's like when you think about yourself and all the positive qualities and it's post I did this like last week, it's like you think about someone you love like think about a person you love and list all the reasons why you love them. Is their weight or their body anywhere on that? Yeah. I got one of my clients to do that during the week and yeah. she was like, Oh shit. Exactly that. And it's like, why do you, do you think your worth is going to change? You think they will love you less if you gain or lose weight and they, they you know, they won't. And if they do, there's a, there's something to worry about there. You know, the people, but that's, it's like, would you treat yourself and talk to yourself or treat a friend or a loved one and talk to them the way you talk to yourself? You know, it's really challenging, like with your, with your body and how you look like so many different aspects of it. Like so many, like really delving into what it does for you in relation to like your, from your senses to what you can do for other people, like what your body allows you to do in life, you know, what it helps you bring to your own life, bring to the life of others, like all the different ways that it's valuable and like strength, fitness, health, like you can pick up or pick up a child, hug a friend when they're sad. Like your your body allows you to do so many more things than gain or lose weight. I think it's something like, I think the last point point is I know we're sorry for time, but I think sometimes it's important to kind of almost reparent yourself. If you were to look at a picture of yourself, uh, as a kid would you be happy how you're talking to that person would they be happy how you're talking to that person i got one of the clients to do that recently and they're kind of like i would not and i would all i want to do is give that kid a hug because the person that i am now is not a true reflection of what that that, that kid lost their joy that kid lost their their lack of fear because as a kid we don't have any fear like i was um like my godson and stuff is two years old and you tell him to run into the wall he'll run into the wall it's hilarious i like it's not a responsible godfather but i i just find it hilarious uh but it's like you lose that inner fear when you're a kid you don't have that like the the, the brain isn't oriented towards that way somewhere along the line you have to embrace your inner kid and like that sometimes people were like oh as a kid you're kind of like you, you get bullied or kids are horrible to each other and stuff like that they can be but generally sometimes the kids that are like are they're struggling with their own stuff? That's the bullies and stuff are generally coming from a could be coming from a dysfunctional home where they could be struggling with their own stuff and they're hurt. So hurt people are going to hurt people, but that doesn't mean you have to be the hurt person that you hurt. So that's the big thing. Labels can be beneficial because you can say you're 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 awesome. You can say that you're a proud mother and stuff like that, and father or a parent or a friend or daughter, because that's all like that's what we are. One of us or like we're all something to someone. Yeah, and there, think, there are positive labels. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> create like awareness and understanding. Labels can be positive in that sense of like explaining things, setting expectations. Sometimes they can have a use, you know. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the important thing. Like you have to look at well, where are your lessons coming from? Are they learned? Are they true? Are they behaviors from other people that you've taken on board? Are they words that people other people have put onto you? Or are you projecting them onto other people? If you're looking at people, someone down the street, are you projecting your own insecurity onto them? If someone's clothes are potentially a little bit tight, are you saying, Well, that that person's fat? But are they fat or are they just potentially just living their life and they're comfortable in their own skin? Why do you feel the need to say that about someone? And that's a big thing to kind of get curious it's like when it comes to the labels you're putting on other people are putting on yourself like list them like categorize them if you need to you know look at if you're make creating turning other people as i said at the start into adjectives or yourself you know remember that you, you are complex and layered and you need to stand up for yourself and to yourself in that way like challenge if you label other people critically why you might be doing that and what warrants it you know yeah. it's it's never good to talk that critically of people i think it's like don't label it's like label your emotions (laughs) don't label people or food (laughs) yeah and i think like you have to think about like an onion you have to peel back the layers to get to the actual where you want to go and i think sometimes obsessing over your own label stops you being the best version of yourself and if you're living up to a label someone who doesn't know you as, as much as they put onto you uh you you're kind of living their life rather than living your own and sometimes that's that's the hard noise to actually hear uh, for yourself. You need to be you need to be flexible in how you see yourself. You need to be flexible in how you perceive and your perceptions of others. Not beat yourself up with these rigid groundings or words that you put onto yourself. And kind of like life is stressful enough. We don't need more stress in our lives. I think COVID has told us that. So the big question for people is like, if you were to sit down and dig deep, write down the labels that you're projecting onto other people, write down the labels that you're putting onto yourself and say, are they actually fact for your opinion? Are they actually a fact or are they an opinion that you've created by yourself? And generally when those, when you get a little bit more tired, you've got PMS or whatever, maybe they'll probably creep back in, but that voice, give that voice a name, Sandra, whatever it is, and and say, right, thank you, Sandra, for that comment. Because if you, if you feel that negative voice with negativity, it's going to set fire and it's going to go, 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 go. But if you thank it for that, that if you thank Sandra every time it speaks up, over time, it becomes a lot, a lot less... Uh, intrusive and most people when the voice comes in they've just believed it for so long but why not create a new truth and write a new story Cat, calling yourself out it's, it's like check calling yourself out on your own goal and kind of going challenging it call yourself out challenge and the more you do that the more you challenge the more you reframe you know the more you work through it it becomes easier and easier it's like with things like urge surfing riding the wave you know with impulses it's the same with your bullshit it's the same with those narratives in your brain it's not going to stop overnight it's not going to stop overnight and as you say every now and then it's going to rear its head when you're in low when stressed not getting enough sleep hormonal you will probably have a default to go back to those labels that you call yourself because they're things you've built up over time but the more you challenge them the more you reframe and work in them and reframe them to something more positive and take away the label and recognize that you are layered, you are multifaceted, you are more complex, you have the capacity to change and grow. The more you do that and you remind yourself, even if it is in a very deliberate way, that feels awkward at first, you know, at the self-talk, the more you do it, the easier it gets and the hold lessons. And if you are if you are struggling to kind of name the labels that you've attached to yourself, you need to sit with it longer. You need to sit down and actually do the work because that's the hardest part. Like if you've if you've potentially been like work like if you have an assignment or you're doing like whatever it is like a project, if you keep procrastinating and nothing's ever going to really get done, 
So if you truly want to actually change to happen, a little bit of discomfort isn't too um isn't too bad. Like think I think of it like when you're trying to build muscle, you need to put a stress around the muscle for it to grow. And it's the same thing with like if you want to get a little bit more uh, uncomfortable with the with the the headspace side of things, you have to get a little bit uncomfortable for the person and the individual to grow. The brain's the exact same thing as a muscle. It is a muscle, and it's the exact same thing. So if you want to actually truly see change, disempower, disengage those irrational thoughts, irrational opinions that are coming up, and start to create a new narrative for yourself. And I guarantee true growth will actually occur. It's uncomfortable. It's not going to happen overnight. It may never happen, but I would rather it try to do something rather than stay where that potentially where that individual is. But um, Jane, I cannot thank you enough for the um, the concept of the episode. I hope someone has this is someone some landed for someone. Um, so Anthony, you want to kind of wrap up on? No, I think I think we said like covered everything really on it, and the fact of recognizing how disempowering labels can be and. The big point is like if you're calling yourself a single adjective like a failure or unworthy or unlovable that's a label check yourself challenge yourself and figure out what's really going on behind it and recognize that you are so much more than that yeah and i think a lot of people are kind of like some people will be kind of like oh this is a bit wishy-washy but i think that the people that just may not be in a position to listen to this and that's that's okay too absolutely but, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're in the position where you kind of like you are struggling and this could be working for you, we've seen it with numerous clients in the last few weeks. When the work is done, change can happen. And most, like a lot of people, I got, I got hate for a post that I put up of like a lot of people shouldn't be losing weight. But that's my own personal opinion is like you have to get the, you have to get the, the basics and set the pillars right. Or they're getting the brick by brick, get the layers by layers, set the foundations correctly before you can lose weight. Cause there's a lot of stuff that people are bringing in when they lose weight and think it's going to solve everything, but it's going to just solve shit if the noggin isn't playing ball. So I think that's, that's an important caveat. Um, Jane, thank you so much for, for doing this. And, um, I know we've got another one kind of coming up in a couple of weeks or a week or so anyway. Uh, so fingers crossed we can get a, Dallas to uh, get Dallas fed and watered and ran- so we miss do- you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, please do tag us up on your story, leave a review up on iTunes, um, share, share, share. And if you want to work with us, pop me a DM or head over to www.shamewashfitness.com. Jane, thank you so much. Bye bye.